You're listening to a DM podcast. G'day guys, welcome to episode 211 of the Talking With TK podcast. Today my special guest is Darren Albert, and given its grand final week, what a week to get Darren on. Now Darren's career, he played 89 first grade games for the Newcastle Knights. He was part of the premiership winning teams in 97 and also 2001. He moved over to the UK with St. Helens. He played four seasons, he played 118 games, winning grand final in 2002 and Challenge Cup final in 2004. Darren finished his career with the Cronulla Sharks with one season in 2005. Over his career, Darren scored a staggering 165 tries in 230 professional games, and he also played one game of State of Origin in 1999, and also two games for New South Wales Country. Darren, welcome to the Talking with TK. Hey, how are you, mate? Doing good, man. Good to have you on. Great week to get you on. But let's, before we kick into your story a little bit, I just want to know, what does the great Darren Albert do on Grand Final Day? <laughs> on Grand Final Day? I've got a bit of a uh, tradition with um, Robbie O. Davis, actually. We we get our Grand Final rings out and we put them on the hands. We take a photo and send it to each other. So that kind of sets the scene for the day. <laughs> nice one. So it's, it's good that you boys are all still in touch and all good mates still. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's um, yeah, it's it. I don't get down there as often as I'd like, but, um, you know, catch up as we can. Darren, you know, we all know that you were the king over 100 metres, but over a short distance, someone like Robbie O, like a 20 or a 40 metres, who would win out of you two? <laughs> well, he's, he's got a uh, – he's a lower centre of gravity, mate. He's a bit shorter, so he might get <laughs> off the line a bit quicker than me. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> So he's got you. Uh, but no, it's normally um, – yeah, look at that, that short stuff. Like uh, growing up, it was always – towards the end of the race where I'd come home. But, um, you know, as I got bigger and the distances got shorter, so I used to be better at long distance. And as I got older, the distances got shorter. So I was, I was getting, I was improving that side of it anyway. <laughs> as we all do, mate. Mate, I've been down at Oztag and touch footy. I'm 38 now. It's like I'm running on a treadmill at times. Like, I used to be fast. Like... <laughs> I, I did, after I retired, a few years after I retired, actually, I was playing touch footy up here on the Gold Coast and... um and made a break and I hadn't run in a while and it was like I was I was treading water and then tripped over my feet and fell on my face it was just it was like I was it was like I'd never run before 100% mate now Darren let's rip into your story you know you were Sydney born actually even though you know you grew up in Scone what were your parents from Sydney originally no no they were from from Scone also but um uh, my mum and dad moved down to Sydney um for work or dad for work and and um and yeah, I was born down there and we kind of were only there for about six months and then moved back to Scone. So it was only a short stint um, for us all. But, uh, you know, yeah, so majority of my life in the country. Nice, because there's a fair few Knights players that have actually come out of Scone, right? It was Alex McKinnon, he was from Scone, yeah? Alex, he's from Aberdeen, so next town over. Yeah, yeah. about 10 minutes away. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Johnny Morris. Yes. John, um, Dane yep. Tills. Um, Todd Lowry. So yeah, there's been a there's been a number of a number of guys out of there that they've played NRL. Yeah, what what is the rugby league scene down there like? Um, I mean, I'm not sure what it's like now. I mean, I know the teams are getting less and less, and and they're expanding the area. Um, you know, being Group Twenty One, we kind of originally were you know Corindai and and um, Corindai all the way down to kind of Singleton, um, and every town in between, and um. The various teams near the edges have gone to the different groups and <clears throat> I think, I believe, like, Scone's actually moved down a bit further and, um, you know, plays, plays different teams than what, what I would have grown up with anyway. Yeah, nice. So, mate, in terms of you getting into footy, was, was your old man a footy player? What was the backstory behind that? Uh, there was nothing much in that. I actually, um, I lived about, I don't know, 100 metres from the nearest footy oval where, where the juniors played and... Um, Dad wasn't a rugby league player. He played you know, hockey, and he he um he was an amazing um springboard diver, and um so he didn't really wasn't was didn't have a league background. My mum, you know, none of her family were league background either. So um yeah, it was just up the road, and Dad thought he'd take me up for a run, and started and at about uh, six year old, and loved it. What was the the first feedback for a young Darren Albert? <laughs> I actually, um, oh, well, I was playing so playing in the under sevens then. I was six, but playing in the under sevens. So a few of the kids were a bit older than me. And um, But Scone wasn't a big town, so that wasn't 
unheard of. Probably most of my career um, would be two games on the weekend. You'd sit up on the, either you'd be sitting on the bench for the grade above or, or playing for the grade above every weekend. So it was one or two games every week. Um, but the, in, in initially, um, like every kid, you, you just you run backwards and you run all from sideline to sideline. And um, there is a little bit of footage, I think, somewhere floating around of, of uh, scoring a try. But it was you running side to side and then up the sideline. So that kind of never stopped. Yeah, nice. Now, mate, you moved to Newcastle when you were 17. Before you moved, did you play any local A grade or anything for Scone? No, no. I um, I was still playing, yeah, in the juniors. Um under under seventeens, and then uh, kind of went down to Scone after that. Before I got a crack at uh, first grade, so um, at that stage, I had played eighteens, um, um, but not. Yeah, I, I made my de- debut for Scone um, first grade when I was thirty um, two or something. I think it was. <laughs> so. <laughs> Mate, in terms of, you know, you're, you're regarded still as one of the fastest players that's ever played the game. Like, when you were growing up, was it little A's? Did you represent maybe the region or anything like that? Yeah, so I guess, um, yeah, growing up, small country town, you kind of do play all different types of sports because you're very limited with the amount of people that are there. So you're playing uh, during summer, it's athletics and cricket and tennis and uh, during winter, it's you know rugby league and still you know tennis again. And um, so, um, I've always been running. I started athletics when I was five year old. Um, but yeah, we, our, our local group, um, Group Twenty One, got in got in that managed to get in that team uh, a number of times. And yeah, we you know still friends with a lot of those guys that were in the um, opposition teams and things like that from other towns. So it's yeah, it's they're those they're those type of people that you you carry through your whole life. Darren, I've got a few sounds and a few photos to show you tonight. I'm pretty sure you'll be going to be able to see because, ladies and gentlemen, we were meant to be on we're on Zoom, right? But somehow Darren's camera just doesn't work tonight. So he can see me, but I can't really see him. But I'm pretty sure that I can play everything that I need to and show him everything that I need to as well. But, Darren, this is the first one. I'm just going to play this sound. So one is the Roosters, two Canterbury, three the Rabbitohs, four the race favourite, Darren Albert. Five Andrew through six Devere, seven Reek from Penrith, and let's go over Melinda. Yeah. And away in rugby league, and the world's fastest man, Darren Albert, came out of the blocks beautifully. Donovan dwelt so too, Devere. Albert is in front, through and Lumen's up for second. Justin Murphy is coming home, and Darren Albert, Darren Albert has won it easily. He cruised home. Yeah, as Vossi just, you've heard all that, didn't you, Darren? Yeah, I did, yes. Perfect. Now, mate, that was 1999. Now, it's pitch black and it's raining. So I don't know if they want to crown you as the fastest man or they're trying to kidnap you. But, mate, <laughs> what was doing that night? <laughs> that was, um, yeah, that was an out of the blue uh, thing, that one. Uh, they wanted to run, um, yeah, fastest man in league thing. And and uh, that's why a number of the, number of the guys were, you know, Probably still on uh, Mad Mondays and stuff like that. So it was only it was after the comp, towards <laughs> the end of the comp, to be honest. Um, but there was but there was light, lightning in the background and everything was wet and um, yeah, like you heard, Melinda Gaines who was there and um, to to start us off and it was <laughs> it was pretty pretty interesting night actually. I end up with a um, I end up part of the one of the prize or the prize was a uh, a robe with um like. TAB on the back of it and had fastest men in the league written on it and stuff and I still had it I still I've still got it in the cupboard somewhere I got to find it. <laughs> <laughs> Darren, wh- over a hundred meters. What's your fastest time? You think? Uh, it was about a um, summer spring coat sells me about ten point eight. That's yeah, and considering how, how old would you have been when you when you kind of run that? Uh, I would have been twenty. 23, 24, something like that. Okay. Was it? Yeah, it was when that. So just was. before you went to England? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of the last uh, spring coach I had at the Knights before, before I went over there or second last. Um, yeah, it was a bit of time just with that one. Um, did some other races and stuff around after that, but I actually don't remember the times, <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> and, and at training and things like that when we're doing our sprints. So, um, yeah, I haven't got too many written down records of what of what, I, what times I was doing, to be honest. Yeah, mate. Has this been, considering that, 
you know, Josh Addo-Carr and Jason Saab and Hammer from the, the Cowboys. There's just a whole heap now of these speedsters that probably can go under 11 as well. Like, what have you made of all the boys that have been around, for, especially this year? Yeah, they're incredibly quick. Yeah, I, um, I guess, you know, league changed has changed or developed and, and you know, those outside backs are – you're getting utilised as a speedster a lot more. Um, I guess when I was coming through, it was starting to swing away from the skinny outside backs to having guys who were basically second rowers and and things like that. And then it's kind of starting to swing back the other other way um, with the way that I think that um, you know teams are running now with um, getting their they're so proficient at getting your wingers away or your outside backs away now. It's it's, it's seems to be that's where the breaks are all made it's where the tries are all scored you know if, if you're going to score a try it's it's out in the edges so um that speed that these guys have is you know like i said it's phenomenal and and um really being taken advantage of now and i think a lot more speeches are coming through yeah how many tries do you reckon you could have scored in 2022 at peak darren albert <laughs> Well, I do like a couple of the rules with the corner posts and things like that. So yeah. I probably could have added a few under the, the tallies that, you know, we, we kind of couldn't even touch it, couldn't even touch the corner post when, when, when back in the day. But now it's, it doesn't matter if you got you can be in the air or whatever, you can touch it and it, it, you're not actually out. So I could probably add a couple more onto that, but I, you know, I wouldn't <laughs> go too far. <laughs> but I do like the, the fact that you mentioned like the small players and it coming back because, mate, you must have been terrified at some games like Wendell Saylor and Lottie Takiri, mate. Absolute monsters! Like, thank God! Like, <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's probably. I was quick, mate. Just had to stay away from those guys. So no, it's, um, <laughs> uh, I, I think um, you know when I first went down to Newcastle, like you said before, I was seventeen, nearly eighteen when I went down, and um, I was only sixty nine kilo at that stage. Wow! So you know, I wasn't playing first grade. I was in in Jersey flag, um, and I didn't start hitting into the. So by the time I was playing first grade, I was still only low 80s, 80, 83, something like that, uh, you know, when I was playing first grade. So um, in saying that, you know, by the time I finished, I was 94 at the Sharks. It was, it was, uh, I didn't put the beef on a little. <laughs> Living the good life. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> Darren, you know, you, you trial when you trial for nights when you were young at 17. Mate, the trials are really, really hard to stand out. Was there a moment in that trial that, that got you that contract? Yeah, I think so. Um, there was kind of um, one spot where I made a, a break down the middle and ran about 40. I mean, didn't score a try, but um, but I think that was the um, the moment, I guess, because like you, like you said, you don't really get that much of an opportunity um, because everyone's trying to – Everyone's trying to prove their worth and show that they're they're the ones to make it. So, yep. you know, you don't get the big long shifts. So you don't. You know, everyone's just trying to bust through the line themselves. And and when the opportunity comes, you you know, you've got to be lucky or or you know, amazing. So I was lucky, but uh, I went straight through the middle and, and made a decent break. And I think from that point uh, point, they saw possibly a bit of speed there, and and that's kind of what they went with. So I was you know, extremely lucky. Nice. Now, mate, moving over to to Newcastle, big town. I just want to ask, I'm going to share this with you, and I want to know, when was the first time you laid eyes on these two blokes? One sec. These two blokes. <laughs> Matthew and Andrew Jones. I actually, yeah, well, we, um, we at Newcastle, we used to play um, an opposed game on a Thursday, um, Thursday night, so first grade versus reserve grade, and... Um, I remember, you know, playing yeah, playing reserve grade and coming up against those guys and in the opposed games. So initially, yeah, you're not on the same side. You're actually really, you know, you're, you're playing against each other. They're trying to show all their plays and do all their plays, and and you know, um, and you're just the um, the the bashing bags to be honest. So yeah, it's <laughs> it's uh, but but yeah, oh look, the, the skill level of those two guys is is um, amazing. Um, you know, got a lot of time for both those guys. Um, you know, Andrew had so much um, uh, natural ability. Matty had his natural ability, but had to work a lot harder as well. Yeah. And he he was and the, between them, they're just you know, 
peas in a pod, they were amazing. But, and really, I think that's uh, a lot of our success came from those two. Nice. Now, the next guy I want to get first meeting on is – sorry, just sharing it now. And talking about the – hopefully that's come up for you. Did it come up for you? That's uh, coming now. Sorry, pal. Is that on there now? The chief? Yeah, yeah. There we yeah, go. The yeah. big man, the chief. <laughs> Mate, what was the first meeting the yeah. chief? What was the first impressions of him? Um, you know, he was the he was the guy that kinda of everyone looked up to. He was the he he was kind of the um um he was the guy that set the tone for the nights during that period. He was the he was the one that went out, you know, at the start of a game and, and set the tone for a game. He, his first hit up, his first tackle, whatever it was, um, he led by example. You know, he was and deserved to be the captain of the Knights. Um, but, you know, so much respect and, and time for Chief. And, um, yeah, he's, he's an amazing guy. Mate, moving on, uh, what's this I hear that you signed with the Hunter Mariners? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, back in uh, – I was in uh, – I think I was still in reserve grade then. Um, so I hadn't played first grade at that stage. And, okay. and the, and the um, Super League was coming around and throwing a bit of money around. And we were young <laughs> blokes who were on bugger roll at the time. So, <laughs> well, yeah, well, you know, let's jump at it. I mean, um, and myself and I think, you know, I think Johnny Carlo actually ended up, he were the wingers and, and Reggie's and and, uh, and he ended up going. Um, but at the end of the at the end of the year, after we won, um, after we won the reserve grade grand final, nineteen oh five, um, or even before that, actually, we we're having an amazing year, and I, I kind of regretted my decision. I thought, what have I done here? Mm. And we end up um, going to court and getting out of that one, um, and I end up staying with the Knights. And you know, two years later, we won the grand final in first grade. So, um, my, I think it was my best decision to stay. Put. <laughs> Definitely. That, but Darren, you know, being in a one-team town, well, it was going to be two, but at that time only being one and being everyone being so close, was was there a bit of tension between the boys that had signed with Super League? Um, yes and no, I think, because they, they – not a lot of the first-grade side went. Mm-hmm. It was they, – they really targeted um, and then our, our Reggies and, and things like that. So – um, I guess from that perspective, like there wasn't too many of the first grade side who who, who end up having that issue. Um, so yeah, I, I guess when the when the team when the competition was happening, it's not really animosity. I mean, it's it's it was really they're still players, even though they play for another team, another competition, things like that, and they're competing for the same. I guess um, player uh, fan base. Sorry, so. Um, you kind of—it wasn't animosity with the players themselves. It was animosity with you know. I guess it ended up being with, with the competition itself and what it represented and stuff like that. It was more you know we thought we were in the right and and um you know I ended up probably sitting on the fence a lot there because I my dad signed with them and then decided not to and so I didn't really have a leg to stand on there to, to start criticising anyone. Yeah. But um, but yeah, and it wasn't. It was never. It was never the other boys that were going that that um, we had issues with and I'm still, you know, incredible friends with, uh, you know, a lot of the guys who went to the Mariners. So, um, yeah, that wasn't really the, the issues. Nice. Now, mate, moving on, uh, this morning I was listening to Matty Johns' podcast, a brilliant podcast he did with Cooper Cronk, and he was talking about your old coach, Malcolm uh, really, and he was talking about how good a tactician he was and all that sort of things. When did you first have any interaction with Malcolm and kind of how did he give you your debut? Yeah, well, Mal, um, he he came yeah from so he was ninety ninety six, I believe. So it was my debut year. Um, one of our first training sessions happened to be down at um, the Newcastle uh, Racecourse at Broadmeadow. Yep. And I don't know if Maddie mentioned, but he just flogged us for the, for the whole day. <laughs> like we're just running around this racetrack, and we we're all knackered. <laughs> and um, but that was kind of our introdu- introduction to Mal. So that standard that he set um he he was really per- a person to set 
um, set the tone as well. Like I said about Chief before, but Mal was more like setting example. So there was a, I remember a, a training session with Mal and we used to use these things called Versi Climbers. I'm not sure if you remember those, but it's like <laughs> a, a post with a hand and a foothold and you're like running, like running stairs for ages. Okay. And Mal would just go to town and flog all the players. Like no one could beat him because <laughs> he was just that committed and he'd get off these things. He'd, he'd nearly pass out and fall over. He, he was busting himself that hard, but no one could beat him. He's, he was just that sort of person. There was another incident um, when he was on uh, in a 50-meter pool and we were doing our doing our warm down, it was after after a game and stuff like that, and Mal decided to do a full length under the water, right? Not a not a not a dive in kind of length. It was standing at the end, drops under, pushes off the wall, and swims fifty meters. Comes up, <laughs> beetroot red, nearly passes out. No, I don't know if anyone's going to give him mouth to mouth either, but he kind of he went the whole fifty, and no one could come close to that as well. So that was a kind of <laughs> he would go as hard as he could. To almost killing himself, that's kind of what he expected yeah. of everyone else. So that's how he kind of got that across to us. If I can do it and I'm nearly killing myself, mm. you should be able to too. So yeah, he was he was he was a he was a great coach. Nice. He did have a great um you know, he had you know, he had uh Chief and, and Joey and Maddie with him there to do the tactical side of it as well. So he kind of had a, a pretty good basis for making our, our team as good as it was. Yeah. Darren, you had a really interesting first season because debut against the Western Reds, you score, and then you score another two tries, and it was against the Western Reds as well. What was it about the Western Reds? You just carved them up. <laughs> I don't know. I, I actually um, – I think what it happened to be, it was I was on debut, so there wasn't – you know, I come from a small country town. There wasn't much record of me around, so yeah. <laughs> I guess it was unexpected, um, and they didn't know what to expect of me, and – you know, like I mentioned before, I think it, there's a few times that you, you get lucky against certain teams and, and, and they were certainly one of them. Yeah. Did you have a few people fly out? Because it was in the WACA, wasn't it, the, your debut? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. No, no one no one that I knew was there. <laughs> so, uh, debut all on my own. Oh, poor thing. Was the next game <laughs> at, right. at Marathon? I actually, oh, do you know what? To be honest, I couldn't even tell you. Um, <laughs> it was, what are we talking now? We're, we're talking... Um, 25, no, longer than that, years ago. So, um, yeah, 25 years ago, yeah. So, it's a yeah, long, long time. Yeah, mate, it just flies. But, mate, what was it between 96 and 97? Because, you know, you established yourself in 96. You play a handful, I think a dozen of games by memory. But, obviously, 97 is a huge break for you, for you. What was it? Was it something in the off-season that really projected you forward towards that kind of elite level? Um. I'm not sure. I think I had a a better run with injuries, and I guess that you know mm. that's why I end up um, leaving Newcastle at the end, is because they I was getting injured a lot, and they felt that I guess that they weren't getting their money's worth or whatever, and so <clears throat> their last um, offer of contract wasn't wasn't you know, was half what I was on um, that previous year. So it was kind of the writing was on the wall. So I you know I, I guess. Um, I did have a lot of injuries through my time at the Knights. Um, I, I don't think I played a full game in any of those. Like 1998, uh, I missed the whole season. Yeah, um, I played one game, sorry, and I broke my foot three times that year. So um, same foot, same injury, but did it over and over. And then um, in 96 had a, yeah, a couple of injuries there. So I guess 97 was the, one of the, was the first year that I had a, a decent run with injuries and, and um, but that didn't last long. <laughs> yeah. Before we get to you know the magic moments of '97, I think injuries and kind of adversity, mental health, all that sort of stuff. I just want to quickly touch that on because, like you said, you missed out the entire '98 season. 2001, you break your your ankle, I think, by memory in the prelim against the Roosters. Correct? Like, yeah, correct. Yeah. How do you deal with being at the top level, but literally you're missing so many important? parts of your career because of injury how do you deal with that mentally um i don't know i think uh at the time i was only so 1998 i was i was um i was 22 mm. so still quite young and you still think you got the rest of your life kind of thing to and you you at that stage you think you're invincible and you think you're going to play to your 40 and things like that so i guess for me 
it felt like I had plenty of time to make up for it. Yep. Um, so 1998 was, yeah, was, was a hard year. Um, you break your leg, you're in plaster. I break, I break my foot, sorry. Um, and then you do all the training, you get back, you're, you're where well, you think you think you're fine. You get out of here, you do one step and you do it again. Mm. You know, you, you push that a little bit extra hard because hard, a little bit harder than what you would at training. Like you think you're pushing yourself hard at training, but you when, until until you're in the game situation, you're actually really not. So, um, but that little bit extra pressure, break your foot again. It's like you know. So '98 was was a very hard year. Um, uh, but no, you know, like I said, you're 22 years old. It's, it's when you get those injuries consistently throughout your career um, that I guess would I would have found it a lot more difficult. The other injuries I, um, after that weren't as bad i guess like the the when i break my ankle um you know i missed the gf because of it yeah um you know we, we won in 2001 and, and i played the preliminary and everything was looking good but yeah break my ankle missed that once and that was obviously really disappointing my last game at newcastle the last game for the knights and you break yeah. break my ankle but i guess that turned around a bit when i went overseas um less injuries and i don't know if it was you know the the softer grounds or the different um, playing style or whatever it was, but I seemed to get a, uh, a lot more games on the on the board over there, a lot less injuries. So the injuries I did have, I mean, I, I broke my cheek at one stage there and um, um, compressed fracture of my cheek, but that's pretty much the only big injury I had over there. So you know, as you see, you know, read out the stats at the start, you know, end up playing a lot of games in yeah. um, in the UK and and it was because of those, you know, lack lack of injuries. And um, so, looking back, I mean, I guess if I, if that injury cloud that I had at the beginning had it continued for my whole career, um, I'd probably be a different person. Yeah. But uh, you know, I managed to get back on board and get a lot of games under my under my belt, and um, you know, look back at my career and you know, it's over well over two hundred, over two hundred games. So I'm you know more than happy. Definitely, 165 tries, mate. Not many, not many people can say that for sure. Yeah. All right, mate, let's move on to the magic moments of 97. And there's two that put you pretty much in folklore forever. Now, the first one is from the prelim. I'll just play you this sound. Then back inside for Sears. Gentleman gets across. Sancho Hernandez. Sears is through. 20 minutes from the line. Dalvin coming across in cover. What a tackle. What a tackle from Darren Albert on Matt Sears. And it's no try. Now, Darren, to put that in perspective... Matt Sears ran down Brett Dallas from uh, – not Brett Dallas, Brett Mullins from behind. Like, for you to catch him coming from the other side of the field just shows your pace. But t- take me through that moment. Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of people have asked me about this one, and I guess it's one of those things – there's, there's a moment in your in your life or your game or whatever it happens to be where you kind of got to question in your head, like, do I have a crack at it and how will I feel if I don't? So – if I have a go and miss, well, that's one thing. If I don't even have a go, what regret would it be after that kind of thing? You know, looking back, oh, if I had have tried, and all those what ifs, and yeah. so I'll, you know, I'll just go. You know, if I make it, I make it. Um, and I think, you know, he he would have scored if he wasn't watching for me. He, he kind of looked over his shoulder and saw me coming, and just kept looking. You know, if he had, I think if he had just head down and gone straight for the line, I think he might have made it. So because he, yeah, he's he definitely. A, he was definitely quick, um, but like I said, it's one of those things. You, you you give it a go, you try your hardest, and and just fortunately for us, it, it you know it came off. I made it there in the nick of the time. I mean, I think because I hit him from side on as well, it twisted him, and he couldn't, he didn't manage to get the ball down. It was kind of in the air, just about coming down, and he had got flipped over. So um, coming in from that angle kind of helped as well. Yeah, mate. You know, for yourself, rugby league's a massive momentum thing. As soon as that happened, did you guys feel that that was like literally the game? Yeah, well, I think it could have very well been the other way around too. I mean, they were they were they were starting to put um, you know put their game together a lot better towards the end of that game, and mm. and if they had have got that, I think the men- momentum was on in their favour at that stage. Um, it could very well have seen us not make the grand final that year, so. Um, yeah, for us, it was definitely a, 
a turning point um, and allowed us to, you know, you know, get to the end of the get to the end of the game in front. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a yeah, it's one of those moments. You, the what ifs, and I mean, who knows? It, it could have it could have still ended up the same result. But um, you know, I'd like to think that that was a a key moment. Definitely. So, now, mate, let's talk about the lead up into the grand final because I've had a few of the boys on now, Chief and Mark Hughes and Owen Craigie, and they're all giving me their different perspective. But just before Christmas last year, I did a podcast. I went up to Newcastle and visited Owen. And I think Owen's probably the one that's kind of, I don't know if it's just his personality, but he just brought it all out that day. So I'm just going to play you a quick clip of the end of what he did. So he's going to be talking yep. about the night before the grand final. Chief. Number 10. Chiefs mm. cries. I'm looking around the room. Every man and the dog had tears coming down their face like it was a waterfall. Chiefs just going. I played on the wing at Lakes United. I went to the Knights in 88, but no one gave us a chance. Mm. This club's 10 years old. I'm now a front rower. You know, we fought. We fought. There's one thing that's not going to happen tomorrow. We're not getting on that highway without the trophy. You fucking hear me? This ain't about the game. This is about the people that live in this city, the miners, the BHP steel workers, you know, all the people that are fighting to survive every day in the Hunter region, all the people that pay every week with their last cent to watch us play footy in reserve grade, SG Ball, Haramats, mm. and in the ARL. We are not going home without a trophy. We're not. I want you to think about sleep about it tonight. Visualise we're going home with the trophy. No excuses. Fuck. We're just going, what the fuck? I wasn't expecting this meeting. What did you feel like after it, man? I felt like a motherfucking god. Yeah. Just So that was that was the O. So he went on for about five minutes doing that. But <laughs> mate, hearing that now, like now we're talking about what, twenty five years later, like how does that make you feel and what was your kind of perspective of that night before the game? Yeah, look, very similar to obviously similar to Owe. Um, you know, we were both quite young. Um he I think he was eighteen or something at the time. Yeah. Um, and I was 21, so we're both at the start of our careers. And um, to be in a room filled of of guys who had been around, you know, almost since the inception of the Knights, um, like Mark Lamble and Chief and Tony Butterfield and things like that, like those guys were been around forever, um, and they had such a um, a passion and a love and a and a a need, I guess, to to see us do well and 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 uh for not only for us ourselves and like we mentioned for the town itself so um yeah it is it's it, hearing that and, and thinking back on that it is it is an emotional time and it was an emotional time then um and he, he was right definitely right like, there was tears everywhere like everyone was you know every, everyone it went around the room and i'm sure he mentioned it every it, you know everyone spoke about what the game meant to them yeah. what this game meant to them and and what you know, this moment meant to them and the town meant, you know, and, they, and everyone had their moment, but everyone had to say something. And almost everyone, by the end of their own little speeches, was, was crying about what it actually meant. And so, yeah, we we walked out of that room so buoyed, uh, so lifted, um, kind of euphoric, I guess, and going, yeah, we've got this, kind of everyone was, it was just, yeah, it was, I think that memory and that time was kind of what, put us in the headspace and, and to, you know, to be that team the next day kind of thing. It was nothing, no, nothing was going to stop us then. Yeah. Did you get any sleep at all the night before? Um, <laughs> I actually don't recall that either, but I'm probably, <laughs> I, I, blur. I, was, I, was a pretty, I was a pretty decent sleeper. So I was a, <laughs> I <could> sleep anywhere. <laughs> I, used to, I used to sleep on the bus on the way to the game. So it was a, <laughs> Mate, being- even from the hotel. So it was a, <laughs> Being a young country but, kid, um, were you pretty quiet in the dressing room? Like, can you give us your kind of like prep for a game? Yeah, I, yeah, I, you're quite like a shy person, and um, not the same person as I am now. Um, definitely not. But back then, yeah, shy country kid, and <laughs> my prep before a game was, you know, headphones on, listen to a bit of music, and and um. And it just kind of stay in my own little lane, I guess. 
but other other boys would run around, they'd slap each other in the face or slap each other in the legs, going, Yeah, we've got you know, let's go today, let's go and I'm like just sitting there. <laughs> I was quiet. <laughs> Mate, it would have been a headset cassette player back then, wouldn't it? One of those Casio ones. It was. It was actually probably uh, probably a little yellow. Um, <laughs> what was some Walkman? Actually, he's a little tiny Walkman. I think. <laughs> Couple of the boys probably had discmans. Remember those discmans? Yeah, I do. Yeah, actually, I had one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it would have been one of those. <laughs> All right. Now everyone's been waiting for this moment, and even in the prep for this, playing this over and over, I just keep getting goosebumps. So I'm just going to play it to you. Mate, that's the only moment in rugby league that still has goosebumps. Describe it for me. <laughs> As you can see from that photo, it's just um, I'm about to get smashed by the boys. But it was <laughs> one of those things. Um, yeah, it's it's. What are you talking about? Those pivotal moments. It's one of those li- uh, moments in your life too that you you're never going to forget. It's, it's going to be the number one memory, you know, forever. Aside from you know, when you have your, your kids and you, know, you get married, like that. From a sport, you know, from a purely from a, a sporting perspective, is just the it's what everyone dreams of. Um, you kids growing up want to be part of a grand final, want to play in a grand final. I remember going to Sydney with my dad, and we do father and son trips with some other boys in our local um, Scone team, and and we'd head down to the grand finals. And at that time, I think Parramatta were winning quite a few. So and that's how long ago that was, um, and. Yeah, it, you go to these games and you'd go, oh, I'd love to be out there. I'd love that to be me. Um, but to be this person, the one that scored is uh, right at the death, was um, it, you couldn't write that better um, as, a, as a memory or as a, as a moment in time. Um, and, yeah, like you said, I still get goosebumps when I hear that commentary and, and you know, see that happening because this time of year is when it all comes out again. and it, <laughs> So it's a, it's a good time of year for me. Darren, did you become like a mini celebrity in Newcastle? Did you buy a beer ever again? <laughs> it was a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, well, we were. Yeah, I don't. It still gets um, still gets brought up. Like I, you know, randomly run into people even up on the Gold Coast or whatever, and and uh, and they'll. It's normally it's only one of two people. It's it, a manly fan who hates my guts, or it's a or it's a every other person who loves me for it. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, it was such a, such an amazing time in my life. You know, 21 year old to have that happen to you. It's just not, a, it's not something that happens to many people. So, uh, very honored and, and blessed. Um, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, we always walk around with a big smile thinking about it. Definitely. Darren, I've got more photos. This one here. So this is one Darren in the, Dressing room, just celebrating like a madman. <laughs> Do you remember any of this? Well, uh, no, I, I well, I remember. I obviously, remember the sheds, but I don't. I don't remember these. Actually, I've never seen that photo. How good's that? <laughs> get a copy of that one from you. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'll, I'll send it to you after this, mate, for sure. But oh, in wait. in saying that, mate, the celebrations after because I've got another thing to. I'll show you this. <laughs> So that's the what the screaming jets at your civics location, but mate, yeah, you, you've got you got the yeah, Oakleys right on, mate. Town, how good right. were, we're talking about the the cassette player? How good were the Oakleys from '97? That's that's Warnies, <laughs> that's Warnie style. <laughs> yeah, they were the they were the they were in then, mate. Um, that that was a the crowd that we had there, um, in the centre of Newcastle. Is Joey um diving into the crowd and <laughs> all them. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It was just um, yeah, those those sort of sites are, may never be seen again. You know, uh, especially these times. But even back then, it was just something that you 
never really um, expect, you know. But it, it just showed it just showed how much that that game and and that result meant to the town because um, you know, turning out in droves like that, you can't even see the back of the crowd. It's that yeah, it goes back into the bushes, so it's back into the trees. It's yeah, everyone was there. What what yeah. day was that, Darren? What day? Yeah, in terms of like obviously the game was on the Sunday. By the time was that like a uh, midweek? I think that was on the Tuesday, I think. Wow, you would have been battling something like that Tuesday or Wednesday. I can't remember. It was more like because um, we, we had a ticker tape parade. I think this was the back end of back end of that. Um, so we yeah we obviously got up Sunday morning before the game and and played and then we're on that much of a. Um, I, I I don't think I got to sleep till like Tuesday morning because the Monday we got a bus and went around Newcastle. Yeah, and it was just, it was just nonstop around the pubs with the bus going to every pub we could find, just and you know to, and taking the trophy with us and stuff. So um, that that whole I think I was drunk for two weeks. So <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I'm I'm pretty impressed that you all like what, that video that me and you just got to see like. You're all in your kit. You've got your collar and you're all iron shirts. It was pretty impressive, actually, midweek. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, I think, um, yeah, we, we wanted to we wanted to make sure we're at our it was appearance wise anyway, not not physically because we were pretty ratchet by then. Uh, but um, but physically, you know, outwardly, we were we were all kitted up and 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 showing our love for the town. But yeah, definitely, um, wouldn't have. Wouldn't have expected that from from us at that stage, anyway. That well dressed, <laughs> mate. What was the difference in? I know that you were hurt in two thousand and and one, so it would have been a little bit different. But in terms of the town and them celebrating, was there much difference between ninety seven and two thousand and one? Um, no, not really. Actually, like we did, we still did all the same kind of celebrations. Um, I guess the this one just. The '97 one just meant a lot more to everybody. Um, you know, that's to take nothing away from 2001, obviously, because you know, to win any grand final is amazing. So, yeah. But being you know '97, it was the club had been around for ten years. It was our first foray into the grand final. Um, all the dramas that had happened in Newcastle prior to that. This was kind of the thing that. It was kind of a sigh of relief from everybody, um, and 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 then and then the heights of excitement because of what had happened, and it really lifted the town. Um, Two thousand one, very similar. Um, the workers' club had was was massive. There were so many people outside of that as well. Probably numbered as many um, as ninety seven. Yep. <laughs> um, but didn't what you know? Actually, don't think we did the. I think we stood on top of the um, town hall with that one. So, yeah, look, oh, I, I can't choose, to be honest. They, they were both phenomenal um, results for us all and, and phenomenal results for, for the town. And, and just everyone just was in a – on both occasions because it's two, two different teams, though, not not a great deal of – you know, with the same um, – a great many of the players were the same for the second time around. Yep. So, you know, it was uh, it's hard to explain how how good a time that was <laughs> both of those in ninety seven and two thousand one. <laughs> I can imagine. Now, mate, two thousand one you- for me, like I said, I, the reason I guess for me it wasn't it didn't seem as big because I was busted. Yep. I did have my leg in a cast and I hadn't played in the game, and so I kind of felt a bit removed from it. Yep. I guess in a way. What do you what do you have to do in that situation? You just putting on a brave face for the boys. Yeah, I was. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, why wouldn't you? It's still, a, it's still a, an amazing achievement. You, you know, you were a big part of it for the whole year, kind of thing. And mm. it's just, yeah, you do. It's not like you have to think about it either. It's just you're there for the boys. You're not in the best in their best place, but they are, and they're still in this great position. They're still going into a grand final, and you still want to be that person that has their back, is yeah. supporting them, and and making sure that their headspaces are right as well. Yeah. Now, Darren, you moved to St. Helens at for a rugby league, Australian rugby league player at pretty young age, at 25, as we said before. Now, 
Ian Millwood was coaching there. How did they get you over to – because St. Helens, like I've had a few of the boys now on the podcast, which has been great because, you know, the likes of Paul Scorthorpe, Jamie Lyon, Paul Wellens, Kieran Cunningham, Sean Long, Chris Joint, like they had a stacked team. Like that spine, that would would beat most Australian teams. Like people don't realise how good this St. Helens team was. But what did you know about like these guys before you actually went over? Actually nothing. Absolutely nothing. I I, – I spoke to a manager at the time and when, you know, when the offer came through from Newcastle and it was low-balled, I, I said to the manager, I said, well, let's look around. And, and he said, what do you think of um, England? I said, yep, look, you know, I'm, I'm young enough to still enjoy myself. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm single, so whatever, let's just see how it goes. And yeah, so he put some feelers out and, and St. Helens um, came to the party. So, um. You've obviously, I'd obviously seen, you know, many of these players playing internationally. So, but you obviously don't know any of them. You're coming to a place that you're unfamiliar with, players that you're unfamiliar with, things like that. When not not only a new team, but it's a new country. So, that was a whole new experience for me at, at now 25. So, um, but we, yeah, going into that team. I mean, like you said, there was probably, I think, eight or nine current English representative players in that team yep. at that time. So um, they weren't short of talent, that's for yeah. sure. And it was a very good time to be part of that team. Sure. What was kind of the, the standard in culture? Because you come from Newcastle, one team town, so much support, but the you know standard in culture was, was through the roof. What was it like? You know, you just it did describe that you had internationals there, but comparing England to Australia, what was the was there much similarities or differences? Uh, well, St. Helens in particular, and um, yeah, it's a it's a one team town, very similar to Newcastle, probably similar population size as well. Yep. Um, they are fanatical rugby league fans in in St. Helens. Um, you're not sharing it with with soccer or anything like that, um, as do some other um, cities so or towns. So, um, in that from that perspective, um, the fan base, you know, very similar to Newcastle. So it wasn't. You know, looking back, it it was very similar similar in a lot of ways with um, how everyone, um, everyone in the town, kind of embraced you. Um, and, you know, knowing you played rugby league, and uh, you know, and it was the same in Newcastle. So, it, yeah, very very similar <laughs> in a lot of respects. Yeah, my mate Stu from England, he goes, "You've got to ask Darren. Ask him about the Darren Albert song. What was the Darren Albert song?" <laughs> <laughs> well, they, yeah, they're, they're, there's the tradition over there that the the, um, the fans all I don't even know how it comes about. To be honest, they end up get, uh, having a song for you. So every time you score a try or do something else, they they sing your song. So um, I suppose you're looking for a few words here, right? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, bust it out, mate! I know you you got some talent. <laughs> okay, so um, it's like. Hey, Darren Albert, ooh, ah, uh, I want to know <laughs> how you scored that try. And then they clap on and go, so, you know, and they just repeat that over and over. So every time you score, that song would just erupt. <laughs> and um, it's, it's very cool. It's a very cool thing to happen, to Wait, have happened to you as well. You scored about 100 tries over there. It would have been happening every week. <laughs> so I was, I was playing outside some amazing centers um, there, so... You know, I think uh, you know Jamie Lyon came over and had a stint there. Mm. Um, I think Gizzy went after after that the year after, so I missed him. But um, but yeah, you, you know, I um, representative centres inside me and representative halfbacks, and so there was kicks and long balls and all that. So yeah, yeah, it was <laughs> it was a great team to great team to be in. Mate, I've got a couple more sounds, and the first one I'll play up. I've got some photos to show you as well. Now, Darren, that's the 2002 Grand Final where you guys win 1918 by memory. And, yep. yeah, you got the picture on there now. I think that's you on the left-hand side just there yeah. next to Kieran. Yep. But, mate, take me through a Grand Final experience in the Super League. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very similar to what I experienced at Newcastle. So, you know, we, we started our, our trip um, at the time because um, Headingley wasn't complete. It was going through renovations. Um, so we played at Old Trafford uh, for, the, for the grand final. So um, it was only um, half an hour up the road. So we kind of all met um, at the ground and at our home ground in, in Nosley Road. Kind of everyone met there and, and the crowd was all there and everyone was outside and, and very similar in respects to, to Newcastle in that way. Um, and, yeah, it was the, the how vocal the supporters are and, and um, it's just another, it's another world, like, you know, the uh, Australian fans are loud, but when they're singing songs and, and the crowd's going off as much as they do, I mean, you see it in the soccer. When they, they take their support and their fandom very seriously, so um, yeah. it was a such a such a thrill and such an amazing team to be a part of and such a great result, obviously, as well. Um, but, yeah, it just shows, you see the look on everyone's faces there, it just means so much to everybody and, and – um, it was it was it was one of the, one of the best times of my life as well. Yeah, because that was a bit of a breakthrough for St Helens too, right? What's that? Sorry, that was a bit of a breakthrough in terms of they hadn't won a premiership for a while before that, right? Yeah, so um, I mean, they're still they were still considered you know, top one of the top four teams, so um, they hadn't had as much success as what they had from this kind of point on um they'd had plenty of success don't get me wrong but uh, from you know from here um the number of trophies that they've they've gathered since is 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 phenomenal and they're they are an incredible um club and and it's it's great to be part of all right darren last moment and it's gonna be two one Well, look, I think the commentator summed it up. That's two years later, you flogged the Wigan Warriors 32-16. But given that they're your rivals and the Challenge Cup means so much for so many people, describe what you guys are going through. I've just got a picture up here of the team celebrating after. Describe these moments there, Darren. Yeah, so the Challenge Cup, it's it's almost bigger than the, the regular season grand final. Um, you know, it's it's every every team in all of um, Great Britain that, that, that play in this and in, and in France as well. You know, it's it's a knockout competition. So when you get to the end of this, you really are the the top of the top of the pile. Um, um yeah, that was actually a, an amazing game. Um, it was at um, Cardiff, and it was probably the first time I've seen a um, a camera flying overhead. One of the you know the on, yeah, the, yeah. on the wires. Yeah, probably the first time I've seen that. So I'm walking out <laughs> onto this pitch and I've <laughs> seen this camera going over. Going, what is that? But and um, but just you know, and it's not in any major city. It's not in a hometown of any any team. It's in Cardiff. Um, but the that stadium was packed. And as you can see, we kind of party a lot. I think I've still got, <laughs> I've still got one of the banners, one of the Power Jam Challenge Cup banners. I think in my cupboard, I've flogged from the day, and it's <laughs> still sitting in a drawer somewhere. Yeah, good. Um, but it means so much, you know, especially the club. You know, I think, um, yeah, I don't, and I don't even know why, but it's just it's this moment or this the the Challenge Cup final is something that's they consider kind of the top um, accolade to, to get. And, um, yeah, it was, a, oh, it was a hot day as well. Like, I mean, you play during summer over there, and so it's totally different to here. 
um, you only really deal with the cold for the first couple of months, and then after that, it's nice and warm. So it's it's really good. Um, <laughs> it, was, it, was a, it was amazing days, sunshine, and and it was the, the pitch was very very fast as well. Nice. Now I've got plenty it's of corona- yeah, mate. Yeah, no, you're right. I was yeah, <laughs> good times. Yeah, it's great times. I was just going to say, being 25 years old and you've won what four major trophies already, mate. You would be hurting just from the celebrations. It would just be weeks of just just <laughs> drinking. You get used to it in the end. <laughs> no, all different, all different teams and different players, and and um, and so when you're celebrating, it's it's all unique to everybody. Even though you've been through these moments before, it's it, that team and that group you're with is is so unique in each occasion, and and your celebrations are yeah, it's it's a it's a certain time in your life that you, you just you couldn't write down because it was just. It's, some of the stuff you got up to, but some of those, but some of the things, it's just the emotions that go through you are, are quite overwhelming. Yeah, mate. Seeing that you went over there at twenty five, and like it's a it's an interesting time for a young man's life. Like, if there's twenty five year olds listening right now, can you describe like kind of how much you grew up by moving overseas and kind of the adventures that you got up to over there? Yeah, I think um, you know it's. I'd tell my 25-year-old self to still do it. Like, I would not. I would. I have no regrets. That that was um, the best thing for me to do at the time. Um, it, it, my, I think the way I saw myself as well changed. So you know, going from Newcastle and being quite young, and um, but when I went over there, because you're in, in a, you know, you've been brought over from Australia, and there's very high expectations on those sort of things because they don't make those sort of investments lightly. Mm. Um, you tend to mature as a player as well. Um, you know, physically, emotionally, mentally, like that, those, that, that does change in you um, because it is a, a, it's a big challenge to go to another country, yeah. um, play in another competition to, you know, go over there and, and on your own and have no support there. Um so you do rely on the other players and coincidentally, you know, Paul Wellens and like you said, you, you need to interviewed him previously. He um I was I was renting a place just outside of St Helens and and I was and I was just kicking back about to watch some T V and stuff like that. I, I was my first day there. And next thing I get this knock on the door and, and it's Paul and he says, Come on, grab your stuff, let's go and he kind of grabbed me and jumped in his car and we just went for a drive and went and visited his mates and went around and he kind of took me under his wing and, and really introduced me to the town and the people and, and the, and the team. So yeah, he, that was <laughs> his efforts at the beginning really, really set me up for a, for a great time in St. Helens. Yeah. How good mate. Just to, to wrap things up, talk to me about coming back. Cause I'm a shark supporter. We loved your time. You know, it was only a short time, but we loved your time at the sharks. A lot of sharks fans, have a lot of respect for that season that you did play for us. Talk to me about what brought you back to the Sharkies and then what led to your retirement. Yeah, well, at the time, um, I had another year on contract over in St. Helens, actually, and and I just I went to the club and said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm turning 30. <laughs> like, I've, I've been every four years and, and um, you know, I think, um, you know, I wouldn't mind going home. And um, so I kind of asked for a... A release. So this is obviously after the conversations have been had with the Sharks. Uh, I said to my manager, I said, um, you know, can you just have a look around um, back home and, and see if there's a, a club that, you know, has a spot available. And and um, when the Sharks came up, I, I jumped at the chance. You know, they're, they're an incredible team. They've, they've been around for a very long time. They've um, deserved a lot more success than what they had at the time because they'd had Actually, zero grand final wins, and at yeah. that stage, um, um, so you know, I thought it would be a, a great place to come home to. Um, I, you know, after being in the UK and Sydney was, and you know, obviously I'm a small country town boy, so then go to Newcastle, which is bigger again, but then go overseas, which is massive. Then to come back, Sydney was not big after that. So after you've been through all those things, even though Sydney would have been to a, to a scone. Darren would have been massive. Um, it was it was like, it was just like a little town when I came back, so it wasn't actually any you know it's fine. But um, <laughs> but I really enjoyed my time at Sharks. Like we I had some amazing team play. Uh, you know, um, we had an amazing team at that stage, and and uh, you know I, I knew 
Brett Camorley, uh previously. He he played in um, reserve grade with me in '95. Yep. Um, so I kind of knew I knew him when I came on board. Because who, um, who did you play? You played outside what Nigel Vanga or Bowie Scott? Is that you were in that team, weren't you? I was yeah, Nigel, yeah, 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 Nigel, yeah, played outside, and then um, uh, Bales once they did too. So yeah, yeah. yep. Um, yeah, we we um, it's actually probably that was a, a tough year that one, like in a lot of ways. I had a great time, but the, the tough year in regards to we had a great start to the season. Mm. Um, I think we we're coming third or something like that with about thirteen rounds to go, or whatever, and then we lost the back thirteen. <laughs> we yeah, we didn't win another one after that. Yeah. Um, it was a, it was a shocking back end of the year, and because we were looking in great shape to make the semis, um, and Stuart Raper was our coach then, so he's trying to find different solutions to get us out of the funk we're in. <laughs> and um, and I think I play. I think a, he, he dropped me back to Reggie's at one stage. So it was a bit of a bit of the ego. <laughs> <laughs> didn't you? Get a, you got a crack at fullback at one stage too, didn't you? You were all. Was that right? Yeah, I, I play. Yeah, I did, yeah, I did have a I did have a crack at fullback. Um, yeah, so I didn't enjoy that actually because I played a bit um, back in. You know, we're talking about the grand finals in St Helens. So when when we the grand final against um, Bradford, um, Paul Ellens broke his cheek in the first five minutes. Yeah, so I got pulled back to fullback and played the rest of the game at fullback there. So okay, kind of baptism of fire. But um, <laughs> you know, I, I played fullback pre you know a few times, and and then um, obviously the next season after that one when Paul was injured, he wasn't back yet. So I still got to play fullback then. So it wasn't. It was a. It was a um, position that wasn't unfamiliar to me, and so yeah, I think yeah, we're just moving around everywhere, trying to find some way to get the get the get the um the year back on track at the Sharks. So um, it didn't end the way you know we all expected, and it certainly wasn't looking like that at half time halfway through the year as well. Yeah, so, yeah, very, very disappointing the result in the end. What made you retire? Uh, like I mentioned before, you know, I was I was thirty. I turned 30 when I was at the Sharks and um, and I got to the end of the season. I actually started the preseason and went, you know what? I don't think I want to get bash myself up anymore and <laughs> try to get my weekends back. And um, so, you know, I decided to 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 pull the pin. Um, originally, I said, you know, I was going to go back over to the UK and I did for a while. Went back over there for a few months uh, and then moved back to Australia and then moved up to the Gold Coast. So... Kind of, and then spent the next eighteen months wondering what I was going to do with myself, and I probably should have kept playing. <laughs> well, was it tough to after that to decide? You know, eighteen months is a long time. How much did you have to do soul searching, just trying to figure out different jobs? How how was that process? Yeah, well, I pretty much just partied myself stupid for that whole time. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> what do you what do you do? You know, you you thirty year old with no no job to go to, and it's like. You know, but I had I had obviously some I had some savings obviously, and I thought I'll just I'll just um, move up to the Gold Coast and enjoy myself for a little while, and then knuckle down after that. So, um, but you're right, yeah, I, I went away and did odd jobs here and there. Um, a, a friend of mine was work, uh, had a company who was doing some civil works out in the um, central Queensland, uh, central Queensland. So I went out there as a labourer for a while and. So just do all different different jobs, and I'm an electrician by trade. So um, my wife, her um, her mum, she had she knew some some a company that was looking for an electrician, and and um, and I kind of got to start with them as a, as a Sparky. So from that point on, it's yeah, I haven't been without a job, and and um, you know have. Looking, you know, to, to where I am now. I just finished my um, MBA um, two years ago, so yeah, Congrats, mate. Well, learning well, and living never stops after that. So awesome. Now, Darren, final question is just my dinner party question. Now, Darren, Albert, you've got five invites to a private dinner party. Now, only rules: no family or friends, but you can invite anyone, dead or alive. Who would you like to invite to dinner? Um, right. I think I don't know many people would know this person. Robert Jordan. He's a um, 
he's an author um, of a series called The Wheel of Time, and and I I think uh, that's one person I'd definitely like to invite. Okay. Um, um, <laughs> you put me on the spot here, mate. He's <laughs> struggling, dead or alive. Um, I think um, uh, Heath Ledger would probably be another person, um, you know, I'd um, invite. Nice. I was watching two. Remember, have you watched Two Hands lately? That movie from like, no, not for a while. He actually not for yeah. That's yeah, a cracker, it was, mate. Yeah, it was probably the first one I saw him. Yeah, <laughs> how good was that? <laughs> <laughs> um, probably uh, Hugh Jackman. Probably another one I'd probably invite. Nice. I think uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, he'd be he'd be good to to get along. Um, so, I guess another one's um, cause my dad passed away a couple of years ago. So, I'd definitely like to get him along. Yeah, for as sure. well, because he'd like to meet all these people as well. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, and I mean, that's two fights for, isn't it? Um, I like it, mate. You're the first one that's had like just all Aussies. Like everyone else has been <laughs> going for all these American blokes and Sheilas. <laughs> Yeah, oh look, I like yeah, it. obviously there's there's probably plenty of um plenty of people from the US that um that I would I would get to come along. Um there's probably one more um Carl Lewis would probably be another one I would like get a sprinter. Along. Nice. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So that's a that's a good little mix. <laughs> <laughs> well mate, Darren Albert, really appreciate you joining me on the podcast and sharing all the, the magic memories from your career, mate. It's an absolute ball with you and Thanks again, man. Appreciate it, TK. Thank you very much. I'll just play this one more. Six little tackle.